Welcome to the Thinking Classroom podcast with me, Mike Fleetham. This time I'm talking to Maria Wojciechowska Kanida, who's an educator and creativity advocate. Best not to read it, because if you read it, it sounds it looks like a, a Wi Fi can, can I just say that? Let me yes. uh, Wi Fi <laughs> Wojciechowska. Is it Tahovska? Wojciechowska. Wojciechowska Kanida. Wojciechowska Kanida. I'm very pleased you said that because it was going to be my first question. As I am so hot on wanting to get people's names right because it's it's effectively saying I want to get you right. Mm. Um, there's people I work with, all those uh, have sedillas and umlauts and acute and grave accents, and I always insist on getting those into an email. Mm. In fact, I found you. Do you know there's? Do you know the Alt key on the keyboard? No. Alt Gra. I've got an A L T G R key. Alt Gra. Oh yes, I've never right. noticed that if before. If you press that and then press the E, you get an acute E, <gasps> which was news to someone I work with who has an acute E in their name, and oh, I always struggle to. I always struggle to do it. But I always insist on doing because it it's their name, and you've got to get it mm. right in every single piece. So that's why I'm keen to. Well, you've introduced that. me to a new key on my keyboard because um, obviously some of the letters are, are are erasing, but I've never used that. That's um, that's fascinating. I wonder if they do an owl as well because an A with a little kind of dash underneath it is called an owl, and today is very important for that owl in Poland because it's um, today's Donut Day. Um, okay. I call it Donut Day, but it's called yeah. Ponchki. And so you spell it with a P, A, but it's not an A, it's an L, which is an A with a little flick underneath. Um, and it's the equivalent of Pancake Day on Tuesday. So next week is Pancake Day Tuesday, Ash Wednesday and Wednesday. But yeah, we've got um, we've got a whole weekend of eating donuts and getting rid of all the yummy stuff in the house, the biscuits, the crisps, mm-hmm. the sweets. Oh, wow. To, to begin Lent in a kind of frugal, reflective way. Yeah, they are. I would thoroughly recommend if you could get a Polish donut between mm. now and Tuesday. It's it's wow. mind blowing, especially the ones with custard inside. That's called budin. So mm. I've come from a culture very Spanish and we've been very proud of our heritage. Although I was born in England, my parents have always instilled all these wonderful things so that we don't forget our heritage. Um, mm-hmm. And so now I've married into another culture which just enriches me and just brings another layer to what it is to be human and and connecting with other people i love it i love it so is the cultures there one had one is going to be three i think in your household and mm. the other part of your culture that you married into no, that's polish and you bring the spanish to it mm. what's what is there a spanish take on pancake day no we have pancakes anytime we want to because my Every dad day is pancake day okay so, because in in my dad is from galicia which is the north of spain my mum is from Malaga, which is the south of Spain, and they are completely different cultures. You know, you can't just say, oh, you're Spanish, because it's very much about the history, the culture, the the wonderful richness of food. So Galician, I mean, Caneda, Canida is, is a Galician name, and we all have double vowel names. I mean, technically, I've got three names, because in Spain, you don't lose your, your mother's maiden name. Well, it's just, it's fascinating. So going back to pancakes, fioas, as we call them, you, you fancy a pancake, you have a pancake. That's the bigger question, isn't it, about, about creativity? Is it bringing together two things to make something new? When I taught creativity in schools, I'd love to know what you think about this, Maria, is we, we sometimes conflate that with feathers and, and sequins and balloons and a whole bunch of stuff. Nothing wrong with them. <laughs> I mean, sequins are good, balloons are good, feathers yeah. are good. 
but for me that's a bit of a misunderstanding of what creativity is it's thinking we've got to have a whole bunch of things and make something glittery and sparkly and in your face it's this difference that i'd love your opinion on uh, between creativity is either about abundance or scarcity that's an example of creativity is abundance we've got we've got everything we can do what we want because we've got so many choices but creativity of scarcity is like you know the apollo 13 mission where to rescue the astronauts the scientists on the ground had to replicate what they had on board that spaceship and only that and use it creatively and innovatively to save lives they couldn't bring anything else in because there wasn't anything else available in the spaceship so creativity abundance or scarcity oh my gosh that that's wonderful i mean going back to the stack of pancakes i feel that creativity can be a pancake in itself or a contribution and a collaboration and a stack of pancakes i mean i've been in schools where you know the art cupboards are very well stocked in the beginning of september and by maybe october half term or certainly by december when you when your glue sticks have run out or there's there's less of an abundance there. You know, what do you do when you have to to create something with children? I mean, it's it, it's such an interesting question, especially um, in light of I'd like to call it the shadow of the pandemic that that we've just that we are are we emerging from it? Have we emerged? Are we still? Are we still I don't know. Part I'm, of I'm, it? That's a that's a useful question to to ask, isn't it? We're emerging from it. I'm I'm listening to a podcast at the moment called Case Sixty Three. It's on Spotify. If, if if anyone's interested in listening to that, it's short, sharp episodes about. Well, the premise is that yes, we're coming out of this one, but we're just but the science fiction. Don't worry, we're about mm. to go into another one, mm. and then another one, and then the, and then the mother of all pandemics. It's science fiction, everyone. Don't worry, um, or pretend. So to answer your question, mm, pandemic versus endemic. Yeah, let's assume for the sake of argument that we are. Mm. But I think it's always good to be. Not forewarned, but to have some level of experience, because mm. as an educator, mm. it's such a fascinating way of thinking about experience and about how the experience that you bring. Because like I said, as an educator, I never there was never an experience like this. I've never had this before where, you know, you went home on a Friday. I had a year five class and I said to them, oh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. We'll have two weeks before the Easter. See you after that. And I never saw those children again because I, I never went back to that school. I did other things. So, yeah, I think there is without being too, is it naysaying, you know, the doom? The, mm. It's it's, yeah. it's about having some level of experience and building from that, because actually we're not starting from the beginning. We're actually starting from from a little bit of experience and and, and learning from it. There was um, a golden Buddha discovered. Um, in 1957 mm -hmm. but it was a clay buddha mm -hmm. and it's only when they tried to move it that they realized that there was a tiny crack and there was some kind of gold you know emerging and they realized that actually for historical reasons and to protect this sculpture they the the Thai monks had covered it with clay so that it wouldn't get damaged I suppose or or, or looted and I feel myself as a bit like that. I feel that as a child, I started out quite golden, not as a golden child, but it's kind of like with all these dreams and whether myself or education or my experiences, I've kind of covered myself in a clay, whether to preserve myself or to get through the day or for various reasons. But now I'm delighting at 
And I mean delighting. I'm delighting at uncovering and discovering, but rediscovering what creativity is. Because during the pandemic, it couldn't go out. So, of course, it's nice to have ordered things from the big um, the big rainforest river. Mm. Per other person, other things were available. But, you know, reluctant to do that because of sustainability. So I, I had to look around the things that I had. I mean, obviously, if I knew that this was going to happen, I would have stocked up. But the benefits of not stocking up meant that I had to be creative in my thinking, creative in my opportunities. And that scarcity made me think of things in a different way. I'll give you an ultimate example. A cup of tea. How many mm -hmm. of us have a cup of tea? Well, my brain started thinking, well, I'd like to do something with a tea bag. Let's see what I can do with a tea bag. So there I am on the draining board, lots of tea bags drying, mm -hmm. um, getting rid of the tea and putting them in the garden, but using the bags as a little, a little bag, a little memory pocket, putting things inside. I'm ironing these tea bags so, so they're flat. There's so much more that you can do mm -hmm. when perhaps you don't have a lot of options. I don't I know. What that. do you think about that, Mike? No, I love that. And I like, let's just rewind to the um, the clay stroke golden Buddha. Um, golden Buddha, clay around it for protection purposes. I'm wondering in school whether we, by accident rather than design, or maybe implicitly without realising it, are covering children with, with clay because we think it's the right thing to do mm. to protect them, but we're actually missing the gold. And then... the I think what you're saying is that in the pandemic, was more clay put on or was it broken off at that point? And are you saying that the gold underneath is our ability to do more with less? We still wanted to do the same thing, but we ended up doing more because we had less to do it with. I think that the pandemic caused us to think differently and therefore to do differently. And that legacy is with us. But if we know, if we know it's with us, then we can fully exploit it. So with your with your tea bags, mm. that's that would have been thrown away or composted. It's like the the alt key, isn't it? It's right there under your nose. Mm. Mm. But maybe you need someone to point it out to you to show you what you can do with it. I actually tend to go for creativity as as scarcity because I think when your options are limited, you have to be more creative. Mm. When when you know creativity is abundance. You could get decision fatigue. I mean, am I going to use this blue sequin or this this red sequin? If you haven't got any sequins at all, how are you going to make something sparkle? That mm. that kind of thing. It, I think a little bit more of that clay has become has cracked off, and a little bit more gold has emerged. Are you being declayed, Maria? I am. Is that is that a personal choice, or is it happening to you from other forces outside of your control? Do you think? I think I'm embracing it more. Because, you're embracing your declaying. Yes. I mean, mm. I I love being in schools. I love being with children. I mean, never the same day, twice. You know, mm. even mm. if you have this, you know, a year three class, I, I don't don't remember ever coming back year on year and thinking, oh, that planning worked. Excellent. I won't change it because you change as an educator. Something else happens. Your children are different. The, the school is different. You know, you've moved on. And, and I think it's important to embrace embrace the change. I mean, I, I would I would be in a school in an instant. And there's been a few times, Mike, that I've left the things that I know that's the calling in my heart, which is the work that I do now, to go back into school mm -hmm. and then re have a very slow realisation of 
this isn't my purpose. I know my purpose is bigger. And I've, I've, you know, first of all, it was little whispers and then it just changed into a big shout, which was March 2020 of saying, there's a different purpose for you. And so now with the work that I do and the creativity I do for myself, I'm not just reaching a class of 30 or as, you know, when I was a senior leader, you know, my phase, you know, three classes or six classes or eight. Now I have the potential for working across the whole of the UK. And it's scary at times. It really is because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is it that I'm doing? I just want to be in a classroom. But I suppose the pandemic has made me realize, and I hope it has with other colleagues, that this is a golden opportunity. And I remember uh, speaking, I interviewed actually Professor Stephen Heppel. He's Mm -hmm. a wonderful, wonderful individual who talks about that after situations like this, world events, there is a an influx of golden generation children of opportunities. And these children that we have here, we have as educators the power to help them remain golden or to cover them up with clay. And I think if you look back to the John Lennons, you know, the late um, Vivian Westwood, I mean, all of these people that came out of World War II, that kind of the scarcity that that still was, you know, in the UK was still rationing up to, I think it was about 10 years afterwards, after the war had finished. I'm not sure. I don't know the dates. Look how that impacted the world. So I'm excited to work with with young people and fellow colleagues, because I think mm-hmm. it's it's giving them the permission to say, do it. Mm-hmm. OK, you haven't got anything. Get a tea bag. Look at look somewhere else. I mean, look at that alt gruh and it's opening, opening, opening my eyes. I mean, I'm just looking around, you know, my my headquarters, <laughs> as I call I'm do- it. I'm doing the same. I'm in my actually in my daughter's headquarters at the moment. She doesn't live in our house anymore. So I've claimed back my space, her space, our space. So uh, three things you can see that you could possibly make use of, Maria, in your space now. I've got pebbles. I've got a little can next to me because I'm dreadful at collecting pebbles where my parents live on the south coast well actually I mean a lot of it is quite creative anyway I've made something out of something else I mean I've got a leaf that I found um on one of my little walks and it really cool to me because it had little the, the caterpillars had munched away a little heart inside so I so I you're, flattened that <laughs> you're showing me that on on our video uh, call at the moment that uh, is heart nibbled in it oh, what's, what's going through the caterpillar's mind they're going there's probably two of them on that, wasn't there? One on each side going, what should we make today? Yeah. We should do, we could make, we could do a car, we could do another caterpillar, mm-hmm. uh, we could do a caterpillar that's big or small. No, let's do a heart for humans. And they've oh. done that. I see, I see hearts everywhere. I don't know what it is. I see, I cut, I cut a piece of bread in half and one of the walnuts cut in half. I went, hearts, there you go, something else. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, one more thing that I'm looking around. I mean, I'm, I'm very good at making something out of nothing. We've got a magnolia tree out in our front garden. And as we were giving it a, a loving haircut, as I call it, um, snipping some of the branches off, I thought, oh, I could do something out of that. And um, I just made it into a hoop. And I set it. I mean, it takes a bit of time to set it. You have to get, if you want to make a hoop out of some branches, you've got to do something with it within the first half an hour, because otherwise it will um, it'll start to solidify. So I kind of make a hoop and then I do some little um, weavings. I know I'm doing, I'm uh, this year, I'm supporting the Steve Sinnott Foundation. Mm-hmm. So all the hoops that I sell, these are called Circles of Hope. I'm supporting the work that the Steve Sinnott Foundation do. And I, and I listened to your podcast with, 
at the fabulous, wonderful Anne Beattie the other day. I oh, mean, yeah, both smashing. of you talking, yeah, yeah. could listen to you for hours. I mean, something out of nothing here. This is an alt gruff uh, Buddhist mm. gold moment here that look around you. In what way can you make anything around you either look like or symbolise a heart? I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm looking at a sellotape dispenser, thinking, how could I do that? But that, I'd very simply take a piece of sellotape, loop it into a heart. Or is the, the, the metaphorical piece there about a broken heart and sticking it together? Or is it the stickiness of love? All those kind mm. of things. But it's having, I think, just that creating something out of nothing should be something that keeps the children gold. But it's giving mm. them that opportunity to do that. I, I don't know. I, I, I wonder... I love your, your metaphor there, but whether that, that is something that is at risk at the moment through an understandable need to get the basics right, the ability to, to function in the world, be able to, to express themselves, to read, write, to manipulate number, to understand science and ethics and where they are in the world and where they were and where they will be, all the kind of basics of being a human. But I wonder whether we, we miss a trip in looking too much at the past, in what served people then, rather than what will serve them in the future. And how much this looking right in front of us for, for small things that can have big impacts can, can help children be ready for a future where they actually may not be as much as, as, as they wanted. When you're working with children, when you're working with adults, I'm interested to know, Maria, what kind of limitations do you see in them? It it's changed in the last 25 years. I think, um, you know, I don't want to start talking about government policies, but I, I've noticed that, that, especially in primary education, I think what colleagues are looking for is the permission to do something. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I like to say to them, try it. If it works, brilliant. If it doesn't, brilliant. It There's nothing lost. But I think with a lot of... I think it's very difficult because educators have such a lot of pressure on them. I mean, when people say to me, you know, oh, 13 weeks holiday, lovely. And I'm like, yes, I would like 13 weeks holiday as well as a teacher. And, um, you know, my hours of work was September the 1st until I broke up in July. I was never off. I was never mm -hmm. off work. And, you know, detrimental to my own mental health and well-being, physical mental health and well-being, mm -hmm. spiritual well-being. And I think it's it's giving them the permission to say, okay, so you're doing the Greeks this year. Okay, that's your topic, or you're doing the Aztecs or or Maya. You've got nothing in your cupboard. What would you do? And sometimes we think that we've got to come up with the answers together. But the most powerful thing I've found in the last, I think the last four or five years, just before the pandemic it was coming out, is collaboration. Because together we can do so much more. I've always been, as Ofsted would class it, an outstanding teacher. Every time Ofsted would come, I would get that. That is That comes with incredible pressure because you're then trying to up your game every single time. Whistles and bells and singing and dancing in one lesson, which is unsustainable. So I think the hardest thing for me was to reach out for other people and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm struggling. And also, I've run out of ideas. And I pride myself on having lots of ideas. And I was involved in a project as a consultant uh, for the Paul Hamlin Foundation a few years ago. And one of the main strands that came out is that a lot of us, in, in all types of work, we're trying to get from A to B. 
from A to B as quickly as possible, but actually it's the slow squiggle space in between. So if you imagine an A and a B and there's not a straight line, but if you kind of squiggle about and for anybody who's listening has watched A Good Place, they will know what Jeremy Beremy means. And if you haven't seen it, Mike, you certainly should do okay, it. It's about, it's about, you know, that there's no concept of time and the time kind of wiggles around and it spells Jeremy Beremy. So that's why, spoiler alert. So there you go. But if you rest in the squiggle space, that's where the innovation comes. That's where the evolution comes. That's where that creative, you give yourself that creative space. Now, as a full-time teacher, SL, LCLT leader, I never had time for that space. So now what I would like to be able to do is, because I've stepped out of that role, I would like to be able to go in and say to colleagues, try another way, reach somebody else, have a conversation, see what comes out, talk to your children, see what happens, because children are fascinating minefields of information that we think we should fill them but actually my most poignant moments in education have been when a child has stopped me in my tracks and it's made me rethink so many things and I give you an example I was working in a school um, in southeast London where I'm based and we had a topic about forgiveness it was part of our religious education um Thing and we were saying about you know and I was doing the stock on the forgiveness and it's really important and then I always I always seem to have these anecdotes you know because educators you do you bring your life experiences and I, I'll never forget it was year three this beautiful girl put her hand up and I, I said I answered her name and I said yeah and she said um it sounds like you've got some work to do of, about forgiveness mm -hmm. And wow. I paused and I stopped and I started to cry. And I think being human with children is so important. And I said to her, I'm never, and I always use children's names, but for confidentiality, so I'm yeah. not going to say her name. Um, I, I mentioned her name and I said, I will never forget this moment. I said, "You've that's a shift for me, a real mm -hmm. shift. Mm -hmm. And I think when I, I mean, when I started out as a teacher, you know, don't smile before Christmas. And that never felt that never sat right with me. You know, don't tell the you know, you need to command respect. Well, I did that for the first four years of my career and I was exhausted. So when I moved schools and into London on my fifth year of my career, I thought I'm going to do things differently. And I never I never raised my voice. I think, well, I say never. I think I did once. And I think that's what I'd like to go into to give permission to do something different if you had no whiteboard for the day in in my day well we didn't have a whiteboard some people panic you know what would you do what would you no, do totally know what you mean there's a there's a rule of thumb on the circuit isn't there when you when you're um, a trainer that could you still deliver your day if the powerpoint went down if there was no no electricity and you you have to be able to answer the question yes you have to be able to rustle it out of nothing in a hotel conference room just using what what's been put out on the tables imagine there's no support whatsoever you still have to be able to pull it off and that that's my rule of thumb if i can do that then we're good and then you start looking at the powerpoint differently and thinking do i actually need that slide maybe that just one image will 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 work um that there is a there is an anecdote about the guys who wrote in pursuit of excellence who had prepared for i think directors of a company a presentation of you know, 30 40 slides up all night checking they were okay checking the 
text was correct, the facts were correct, the images worked. And I think on the morning, one of them replaced a whole lot with just an image and a single image said exactly what needed to be said in that moment. Less is, less is more. Um, I'm thinking children do less with more. I, part of my work as, as a coach is that I will help people to learn the skills of coaching and coaching inspired leadership. But I've also now started training pupil coaches. Mm. And the interesting thing, Maria, is I use exactly the same training for the pupils as I do for their teachers and their leaders. But resonating with the anecdote you shared, most of the children whom I train as coaches kind of nailed it a little bit more effectively than than the adults because they don't come with as much stuff they, they don't, don't come as they don't come with so much clay they've got the clay is not there you've found the goal by by training them to be be coaches and there's even this this concept um played around with a few schools i work with where the pupils will with the right boundaries and the right rules in place coach teachers using mm. your coach coaching skills i mean this this beautiful thing with children right in front of us are our children and there are the answers there's a, a company in in the states called idio this might be um this might have grown in the telling forgive me but the concept is sound again with the right ethics and permissions in place what this company does is mock up situations in companies that they've been asked to solve you know complex organization and relationship issues and companies that, that just they need a bit of help so that the company Idio mocks this up, mocks up the problem, replicates it in terms that a five-year-old would understand. So it might be a playhouse, it might be a space, it might be a, um, a painting or whatever. It's, it's something that summarises the company's problem in a context that the five-year-old would understand. And then again, with the right permissions in place, they send the five-year-olds into this space and see what they do with it. And when they've solved the problem, they map up that solution back into the adult workspace. That is just an example of how, you know, unbaggaged, less is more golden children can can help us. And, and, and you know, that wonderful anecdote where one child has completely transformed your view of yourself and given you a moment in time um, that you will always remember. There's something more, I think, also systemic and, and practical here we can do. So how do we teach the Greeks. My first question there will be directly to the, the, the beautiful children in front of me. We've got nothing in the cupboard. What should mm. we do? And I'd, I'd start there, I think. I mean, talking about barriers, time, permission. I'm not sure children really have those barriers. Mm. Especially the, young, the younger you get, the less you have. Was it Oliver Postman said, children start school as question marks and they, they end as full stops. I, I think... I don't know. I, I'm going to start saying yours now, Maria. Children start school as gold. And if we're not careful, the gold's still there, but they end up clayed over. Well, I've said to colleagues before that children come in in reception as, you know, in the early years as butterflies. And by the time they leave year six, they're sloths. And it's a really <laughs> sad. Oh, my word. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a sad state of affairs because, mm. you know, you. you especially if you've done anything with forest school or Montessori training, they, you know, you're encouraging the children to be resourceful, to be independent. I mean, I've done the same. I've had a, a, a box of resources on the table so that you don't sit and move about, you know, you've got everything you need in front of them. And then, you know, just before the pandemic, I mean, I had 
wanderers in my classroom. Mm-hmm. Wanderers mm-hmm. with an O and wanderers with an A. That's what I would say. Obviously, W-A, W-O. Um, I had plants on the windowsill that, you know, herbs. So I say to students, look, if you're finding it really difficult to focus, and I get it, you want to fidget, you want to move, here are some plants, gently rub the leaves, you know, smell them, see how you feel. When you're ready, come back. I have I used to have five-minute cards, you know, on my table. Don't say anything to me, just take a card, nod to me, I'll nod to you, go and listen to some music in the corner, go and do some, read a book, do some art, I don't mind, come back. It was such a wonderful, it was permission. And I was mm-hmm. so sad to leave that class of year fives because they... They just, they got me and I got them. We actually figured out there was one really bright girl in there because I was saying, I don't, I said every 12 years or, or so, I said, I seem to really gel. I said, I gel with all the children, but really gel with you. And then we worked out that we were all the Chinese Zodiac Year of the Tiger. So I'm Year of the Tiger. They were born and they yeah. were like, Miss, do you think that, that, that? I said, I don't know. I would have to do some research into it. But I think going back to, if you're saying to the children, you know, the Greeks, what would you like to learn? If you just gave them a blank wall, no displays, I know displays are being reshaped in schools, but a blank wall and just ask them to write on the wall. How exciting would that be? I think it's always going to come back to collaboration, co-collaboration, conversation, and also that permission. I mean, it's often misquoted as a Nelson Mandela quote, but he used Marianne Williamson's I think it's called Return to Love. And it's a beautiful quote. And I had it on my vision board, but now I've got my new one. But it's about giving yourself permission to shine because when you do that, you give other people, I'm paraphrasing, you give other people permission to shine. Mm-hmm. And I've had mm-hmm. so many bright golden lights in my life. I want to be that next golden light for colleagues, for children. And it's ironic that actually the T-shirt that I have with... Mm-hmm. Maria Swadovska Curie, Marie Curie, um, the great superhero scientist, is a golden T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's it's coming back to that. But like you say, it's looking at what's in front of you and, and seeing what you can do. Thank you, Maria, so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Maybe we should do this again and look at a different aspect of creativity or teaching and learning in general. Thank you so much. Have a good donut day. Thank you, Mike.